Hello there, welcome everyone. We are very excited and honored to have uh, a veteran pediatrician as she calls herself and she is a veteran pediatrician because her practice has been for over four decades already. And at some point in her practice, maybe, or maybe right now over two decades, she made a switch. She shifted her practice to make it an integrative and holistic um, functional medicine pediatric practice. And all be learned to educated her practice to make sure that what she's really doing to take care of the, of the children will be the one that makes them really strong and healthy and not be sick. So she has directed and worked as both director and attending physician from New York Medical College to UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital in Oakland, California. And she also has managed her business called Down to Earth Pediatrics. And she's just been always um, co collaborating with, pract with practices that really mean sincerely to keep the children healthy. And in her website, I like it that she plays that quote from Harry Truman that says, a nation is only as healthy as its children. And it is so true. So we welcome Dr. Michelle Perro and we, we hope you can continue to be healthy for the parents. And we wanna clone you as well, if we can, at least by doing this episode, we're cloning people like you so that you can multiply the messages and reach out. So. Dr. Jane Marquis and Roy Colan, we welcome you. And we're all coming from different places. So for all our audience, please always don't hesitate to reach out to any of our guests and in their website or any of their substack and any of their articles because they're all connected, okay? And also share, 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 share everything that you know of because we got lots of work to do. So Dr. Perro, welcome. Thank you, Grace. Thanks for you for that introduction. And, uh, you know, I think about all the things I've done, but I am so inspired by the movement by individuals like you to keep our children healthy. And there's no doubt our kids are under attack and under assault, and we have to do everything we can to not only stop it, but reverse it and empower people to take back our children's health totally doable. So I stay optimistic and inspired. <laughs> Thank you. And it's just interesting because my, my journey to holistic and integrated nursing practice goes way back when I was still a child growing up in the Philippines because I grew up sickly. But because I grew up sickly, it makes me think of what can I do for my health? And for that reason, I wasn't also depending on my parents because in that community, in that environment, we were tapping into our indigenous way of healing already from massage to herbs to food. So thank goodness with that environment that helped me think, oh, okay, if I'm sickly, I can make myself not sickly. And because I was already a nursing student and I was looking at my parents having difficulty with health for us, I thinking if I have to be a parent, I wanna make sure that my children will be healthy as well. So it's, it seems like all this connects to what we do now. So I was wondering on Dr. Perro, what is it that made you make that shift of your practice from just a regular pediatric, pediatric practice to that integrative practice. Absolutely, Grace. So there was a, a pivotal moment when um, it, it actually occurred, my son was born. I'm a pediatric emergency physician by training and have been in the acute field for a long time. And what happened was two things, serendipity, which was a bit of luck, because I crossed paths with an MD homeopath from Nigeria, Dr. Ikenze, who I still adore, and, um, and my own son having some health challenges. And this woman 
and our paths crossed briefly, but introduced me to homeopathy, which I had never heard of before. I'm from New York, the city of troglodytes and backward medicine. And I tried this homeopathy on my son and it worked. I tried it a second time and it worked. And I didn't need the three times you're out kind of theory to see if it was gonna work again. So after two times, I was frankly, this was 30 years ago, I was enraged because I thought, wait a minute, there's a system of healing so affordable, so easy to prescribe and tasty. The kids like it. They're made with little tiny sugar pills and no one told me, how is that possible? So I went back and studied. My kids were small. I went back to school online. You know, you know the story. Every parent's been there trying to retrain myself out of the mainstream model. I don't throw the baby out with the, the bathwater, my favorite pediatric metaphor, because I use all the tools I can. I think there's value in just about everything I've learned, but I started to pivot, study homeopathy. And once I learned about GMOs and pesticides, and I thought, oh my God, because I was seeing an uptick in chronic disease, even though my background was acute, I could not turn away from all the acute on chronic disease I was seeing in children. And it was shifting before my eyes to see such a rapid dissolution of good health and children's innate ability to heal themselves. And so the pivot was complete when I learned about GMOs and pesticides. That was the early 2000s based on the work of Jeffrey Smith, my friend and colleague. And I always throw a shout out to him because through his book, Seeds of Deception, which was the first book I read in 2003, I thought, oh, we've got big issues. And then I've been on that journey ever since, and then incorporating my toolbox. And I essentially trained myself to become a naturopathic doctor. I've had to learn hands-on, naturopathy, herbs. I've had to learn it all. Um, spiritual healing, you know, the it's a huge playing field. But my, my, my main tools are nutrition and homeopathy. Those are my go-to, but nothing is off the table to help someone regain what they need for their path to health. Everyone's different. That's my story. <laughs> well, this is gonna be an awesome conversation because we're in a beautiful company right now. And uh, Dr. Jane's smiling at Jane is a homeopath as well. And we all have that background for integrating anything and everything. Because yes, yes, just like my my picture for health is like a wildflowers. In the wildflowers, there are different flowers, but then it's so beautiful when put together. And you know, we there's always a, a place for a, a weed a beautiful looking flower or an ugly looking, sort of ugly looking. So, yep. So it's thank you, thank you, thank you. And so in, in you, from that time on that you went into this, this you, you created in that kind of integrated practice. What do you see now uh, as in terms of the health style of our children? like? Did it improve before 2020 <laughs> or, or then is it getting worse again? Yeah, so the, the dissolution of children's health is continuing in real time and COVID has created an, an enormous uh, chasm in our kids' health. It was a severe decline in just about every aspect of health for our kids. COVID has been nothing short of a disaster for so many reasons, but not to just dwell on COVID because it's more than COVID, but COVID was, to say a nail in the coffin would, I think would be an understatement. And the reasons being is that the, um, the social isolation, the masking, the, 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 um, the, the way we're treating COVID in kids has been, um, I think, an assault on children who are already challenged. So when I wrote that book, What's Making Our Kids Sick, 54% of children had a chronic health disorder. You know, uh, anecdotally, it's probably up to about 63%. And, six, and since COVID, I will say that I suspect, and I need more data, approximately 75% of our children now have a chronic disorder when you consider mental health challenges. And the thing I hate most about mainstream medicine is if I don't, you know, I'm not so aligned with many things, is that we dissect the head off from the rest of the body as if mental health challenges are separate from biologic systems. 
either anxiety, depression, OCD, violent behaviors, oh, pick it, um, um, eating disorders, et cetera. And no, they are connected to the biology between the gut brain microbiome access. Uh, access. So I would say that mental health, off, well, I'll call it that for sake of language, even though it's a biologic problem, is off the charts. Obesity is off the charts, and I'll tell you what we're doing about that. We're working on that very topic. Um, uh, immunologic disarray off the charts. And I'd say weird poop, weird poop stuff. And now since COVID, I just call it weird poop um, coming off the charts as well. And we can get into that as well. So the state of our children's health has declined further. This is the true pandemic because by definition, an epidemic is un when it, it affects more um, under one in a hundred. We are way under that autism. For example, I'll choose autism. There are many things I can give you is one in 30 kids. One uh, obesity is one in three to one in five kids, depending on what state we live in. Um, so you can see that we have epidemics, pandemics. These are global issues, not just the US of disease. And these diseases are not benign. Asthma is not benign. Allergies are not benign. Obesity is not behind, benign. Common, but not benign. So I'd say the landscape of illness is profound. And I think all eyes should be on our children. And in my opinion, and I hope legislators are listening to your podcast today, Grace. Yeah, we can only really keep doing what we're doing now in order to not just to educate, empower, and to let our audience connect the dots. Because I still remember again when I, I people thought that I only became conscious with with eating for healthy reasons, but I was also connecting it to all what's happening in the environment. And uh, when 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 a when a mother has a sick child, that really is heartbreaking. And before you know it, it could you know emotionally and mentally really like. Uh, just affect you and as as a nurse i still remember working with mothers whose children who might it's hard for them to focus at work so that, that it's it's crucial that mothers can get to know and you know or, or at least start with your book what's making our children six you co-author that and that's still available correct Yes, so I co-wrote that, that book. Um, it was several years ago with an amazing medical anthropologist from UCSF, Dr. Vincent Adams. And I'm working on a second book now, Making Our Children Well, because I'm trying to empower parents to take back their children's health. Their children's health has been hijacked by systems, um, regulatory agencies that have captured our, our parents' attention as being the authorities, but they are not doing their job. As a matter of fact, if anything, they've proven to hurt children. So what I'm recommending is parents take back their kids' health. You know your child best. You know your child better than I do and or the school and or the government and or your county. So you know your child best. And so I'm advocating for every parent to take back their kids' health. In the first place you start to the kitchen. But when kids are sick with these disorders that I previously mentioned, it takes more than the pantry, but the pantry is the perfect place to start. You know, recapturing your kids' health. It's what you're feeding them. So when I say that parents are not all responsible for the decline in health, they're responsible for a huge part and that's what children's are eating. So any parent who is giving their kids processed foods, ultra processed foods, non-organic foods, this must stop. You have to find a way to deliver the most fresh, um, non-processed organic food as you possibly can because it's not only making your kids sick, it'll eventually kill them. A paper came out just recently showing yet again how glyphosate, the main ingredient in Roundup, the, the herbicide on everything, causes cancer. So you have to understand that these stresses, it's called oxidative stress, affects our children's biology, causes internal rusting and ruins their brains. Not to mention that in 20 to 30 years, they'll have cancer, perhaps even sooner. Cancers take a long time to develop. So what I say to parents is that yes, you can be empowered, you can make the change at home and for your child's sake, you know, start and oh my gosh, the child gets better. Everyone in the family gets better. You can't feed little Susie kale salad and you're sneaking out for Domino's pizza. 
that won't work. Everyone has to upgrade their eating. So this is what I tell folks. And uh, if pe and if kids aren't sleeping, you know, because sleeping is one of the main ways parents wake up. When a family is sleep deprived, they'll change what children are eating. And the neurochemicals that um, affect your sleep are made from the microbes in your gut. One of the key ingredients that kills those microbes that make the chemicals that run your, your brain are killed by glyphosate, not to mention all the other chemicals in our food. And I can give you references for that as well. So we have to understand food is medicine. And what I, what I say to my Latina community, la cocina es tu medicina. The kitchen is your medicine. And so that's where we have to start. Pantry power and get away from nutritional poverty in our children. That's how you start. People say, how do I start? That's where you start, right in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. Yes, to everything that you said, yes. and this message is also true to grandparents because when the sometimes don't buy, don't buy their your grandchildren's attachment or emotional or bonding by giving them all the things that they should not be getting. Okay, so we it to where every child who goes to certain family homes make sure that this kind of uh, teachings is kind of healthy pantry is also congruent to their proper health. So thank you so much, Dr. Perro, and I'll pass it on to Roy. Thanks, Chris. Hi, Michelle. Um, when, when you made the transition, uh, like you said about 30 years ago, because normally, you know, you, you, you mentioned that you weren't aware of these kind of alternatives that could kind of cure people. Like, did you talk to your circle and kind of go, hey, look at this? And were you ostracized for that? And how did actual medical industry treat you as well? I'm just curious. Oh, dear. Well, let's look at that, uh, shall we? So it, when I first started, you're absolutely right. I was a young pup. I was like, whoa, wow, <laughs> look at this. And I was tooting homeopathy all over the place and running around with little sugar pills. And I said, can you believe this? I was so excited. I mean, because I'm a very passionate and I was enthusiastic and I couldn't wait to share the good news. Not so fast. My enthusiasm was blunted. I was made jokes everywhere. I was the, the brunt of jokes. Oh, this guy is having a heart attack. Michelle, quick, give him some Arnica. Ha, 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 ha. I, it was endless. The eye rolling, the joking by friends, family, colleagues. Then I'll give you a little vignette. I was working in one job. I'm not going to give too many details in case they're watching. And, uh, well, maybe they should be watching. And um, I gave a kid a simple remedy. It was actually Arnica for a sprain. I did a lot of urgent care, acute care issues for a sprained ankle. Arnica, 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 then more Arnica. And the not this is what the parent asked me. I'm not pushing it, by the way. Hold on. I make a recommendation. The parent reported it to the head of the clinic. The clinic said, you cannot prescribe homeopathics here in our clinic, even though they're over the counter. They're safe and effective. I love that term, safe and effective. That has new meaning now, doesn't it? And um, I, I quit the job immediately. So it's been a lonely road, and I've had to realign myself with other practitioners. What's interesting, though, the head of that clinic was here at our house and our party, and I won't even show you the like 800 remedies I have sitting behind me. And he got sick here at my house and I gave him a remedy and it was gone within five minutes. I gave him a little Nux Vomica when he was feeling nauseous, easy stuff. And he said, wow, this stuff really does work. Oh, wow, really? So a couple small vignettes. I have lots of those little stories. That's my favorite one because of the irony of here's you know my ex-boss and the two sides of it. But nonetheless, even though I helped a lot of my colleagues and French children over the years and themselves, still there is a basic disbelief and they cannot veer off mainstream medicine. They're so entrenched in that system. And there is a cognitive dissonance, and you've heard that word a million times in the past three years, for them willing to believe that the system, the medical system, the cabal, would actually inhibit us from learning stuff that could really help people. People can't wrap around that that the system is preventing you from actually helping people get better and engage in good health. And we have so many examples. And my favorite COVID example is NAC, N-acetylcysteine, the precursor to glutathione, the major antioxidant in your body. I don't want to get too technical, 
but the FDA looked to make that a prescription only uh, supplement, right? Cysteine, it's an amino acid, folks. Um, it's in your like collagen. So that to me yet was another wake up call how the system is trying to prevent real healing. And that is hard to wrap around. It's almost like Munchens, not by Munchausen's, which is a syndrome where parents intentionally hurt children. It's almost like a, a Munchausen's of regulatory agencies, whether it's the medical cabal, food, big ag, pharma, um, oh, pick it. And so I have to, that's why I'm telling parents work around the system. I have found blocks to cure within the system and you have to work around it. Homeopathy, FDA has been going after homeopathy since 1910, you know, since Rockefeller. This is not new. It's 110 years old, this chase against homeopathy. So let's be clear that these healing tools have been looked to be not shut down, but smushed, banished, removed. And so that's what we're fighting against. And I say fight, I hate those pugilistic terms, but it's a battle. Yeah, absolutely. When I was younger, I was sick a lot. And it's like, you know, you think it's the street drug dealer, but it wasn't. It was actually the doctor that was given antibiotics constantly. And I see that seems to be the, the norm. No, it's like even every two weeks, they'll give a new antibiotic. But there's a big knock on effect because it's actually uh, killing the goodness in your stomach as well. And I don't know, is that recoverable after you go through years of uh, antibiotics? Okay, I'm going to talk about that because I don't, I don't like poo-poo some things. People need antibiotic. They have pneumonia. They have a urinary tract infection. They've got something serious. Yeah, I'll bring on an antibiotic when I have to. If and and there's some real value, um, but you have to offset the side effects from it, which are giving people fermented foods and probiotics. So without offsetting, there are side effects from everything we do, even Chinese herbs or whatever we're using, there are side effects you may need to offset, even when I use some remedies on occasion. And you must either supp um, supplement your diet with fermented foods and probiotics. After three years of age, your ability to recoup your microbiome is essentially gone, maybe 20% in some, in some studies. I've read one study, 35%, I don't know. So we cannot really re-alter our microbiome, that collection of bugs that, that literally sustain our health, microbiome, neurologic health, um, vitamin production, detoxification, et cetera. So for those of us who've been the victims, most of us, of lots of antibiotic therapy, and we're all on glyphosate. So there, that too, glyphosate is an antibiotic roundup. So we have to keep up with our ferments and our probiotics. So now in this era of 2023, I tell most parents, your child will need to be on a probiotic or e-fermented foods. There are many and likely take a multivitamin because the nutrient density of food is so low. So it's very hard to recover your microbiome and it's a lifelong journey of eating the right foods to feed your microbes because they prefer certain foods. And you, by your diet, it can change within a day, by the way, by how you feed them is how they'll propagate. And I'm gonna let my cat out the door who's scratching. Hold on. Okay, thank you. She keeps me honest, little sweetie. Yeah, okay. Did and I answer your question, Roy? Was yeah, you that... did indeed. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Thank you. And <laughs> with the poison dart that uh, recently, unfortunately, forcing children to take as well, like yourself and maybe in your circle, what kind of side effects have you seen with the, the vaccine that's been pushed around the world? Yeah, a lot. Um, you know, I, I never supported this because we didn't have an issue in children with the virus, this the so-called virus. I don't believe it. I think it's this um, bioengineered bioweapon and that's pretty clear. I mean, I need, that's not my theory. That's, that's quite evident at this juncture. Um, so um, bioweapon, kids have antibodies. By now I suspect it's almost all children. So you don't need to inject them with anything. Not only do they have antibody, it's, it's a benign illness in children. Um, and they have essentially zero risk of morbidity and mortality from this um, virus. Um, so the, this, this thing, this jab should have been a non, uh, uh, discussion for children and what we know that did not happen. So the kind of things I'm seeing are the same things the studies reported. If you even believe that they did studies, I read the Moderna study. I read 300 of a thousand pages, ask any practitioner if they are recommending these therapies, if they've read the study, it took a FOIA request to get the study and I got it through someone. 
the, th the first 300 pages, which was a lot of it was pure BS, but what I could gather from this nonsense, this, this, and what they do is smoke and mirrors. They just lay on data to confuse people. So you don't read it by the way, it's a ploy. But what I could see is that 72% of people in their study had side effects. The main ones being neurologic and cardiac. Those were the serious ones. So what am I seeing in the children being reported are neurologic and cardiac, just like adults. What type of neurologic? Well, there are common things like ringing in the ears, tinnitus, vertigo, off balance, POTS, where they have, uh, it's not really a neurologic issue, where they have their autonomic. I'm back. Okay. Okay. You, the last thing I heard was POTS. Okay. Sorry about that. It's interesting. Modulatory jab um, issues. It seems like the internet goes out. No! Even the dogs have settled by this. Um, so this POTS thing is interesting. It's postural orthostatic tachycardia. And like people say, what the heck is that? that when you change positions, you can't regain your balance. So for example, if you're laying down, getting up is hard, you've got, you're up, getting down is hard, where you're sort of like off kilter. And we had one kid who couldn't go to school because every time she got up, she got dizzy and had to lay back down. So pot. So those are the types of neurologic issues we're seeing. The cardiac stuff is myocarditis, pericarditis, myopericarditis, heart issues. And let's be clear, children should not get heart issues, period. Myocarditis in children maybe about one in 100,000 to maybe one in 200,000. In, in 40 years in emergency medicine, I saw two cases from a virus called Coxsackie virus. That was it. And now I have a friend who's a pediatrician and I just saw him and he said he saw two cases in the past few weeks. So this is unheard of. As soon as that data came out about cardiomyocarditis, uh, pericarditis, myopericarditis, um, all, you know, all that, um, and as Dr. Seneff and I wrote a paper about it in June 21, whenever the first cases came out, that jab should have been halted immediately. And it wasn't. And that alone should have been a wake up call to every parent that that was a, when you kill off those heart cells, they are unretrievable. They cause fibrosis, which is scarring in the heart, which sets you up for arrhythmias. And those kids are not normal. There was a study that showed using a dye, which I hate, GAD, gadolinium, showing that these kids have residual heart issues. So these issues are being experienced by children, not benign, not to mention the sudden death syndrome. What nonsense. I've never seen anything more ridiculous in my entire life is sudden adult death syndrome. We're recreating new illnesses to cover for the vaccine side effects. Vaccine. Fingers in the air. So this is unacceptable. This is a, a blatant attack on children's well-being. And whoever's supporting this, um, really needs to get a hard look at the literature. Go to the science. It's all there. It's not, it's discoverable. It's been FOIA'd. It's discoverable. It's in their own papers, for God's sake. So do some reading. Stop being, you know, you know, a spoon-fed, um, you know, a shill of pharmaceutical industry and take an analytical look at what's happening to children. Their health is being attacked. And if you're not looking at it, then you shouldn't have any business be taking care of our kids. Get out of the business is what I'm saying. I think that I answered your question, Roy. You did indeed. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And like I know, I mean, it's hard to say what actually is causing autism, but I know that it increased dramatically when there was a lot more injections that were forced on people. But I've also seen a correlation between kind of like 5G and Wi-Fi and stuff like that. But irrespective, is there a way that with the natural remedies that you can actually get rid of some of these toxins that cause a lot of these side effects? I believe there is. 
absolutely. It shouldn't be, oh, well, my kid is damaged forever. You know, absolutely not. So it has to be a multi-pronged approach. And should I just get into it and tell you how to do it? Please. Yeah, yeah let's do it. So you have to appreciate every kid's an individual, but these are guidelines. I'm not offering medical treatment here, but I'm giving you ideas of things you can try at home. So the first thing you have to do is start with your diet and take off the inflammatory foods. You have to buy organic because non-organic is inflammatory, period. And the most inflammatory foods are gluten and dairy. Just get rid of them for now. You might bring them back later, but we can go into that in a whole nother podcast, but get rid of them for now. You need a basic carbon filter for your water. I'm not saying you have to redo your whole house with reverse osmosis and the whole thing, but you have to get a carbon filter. Two, three, you have to shut off the router at night. That Wi-Fi doesn't hurt your children's brains. And please do not use those baby monitors that are Wi-Fi on right next to the baby's crib. Children's, especially infants, cortical thickness is very thin. Those Wi-Fi signals go right, in, right across into the brain. So let's be clear, that is not benign. I don't care if they, if you believe that industry is benign, it's not. And if you're and just while you're on that, because the, a lot of people, they're giving the children the earphones without the leads. And what I've learned is that the signal goes from one ear to the other and back to the phone. And they're deadly as well, where people don't realize that. So if you're going to wear them, use one and better the ones with the lead. And absolutely, and I try not to even use any headphones when I can and just talk to the computer. I mean, I have headphones. So that's the basic right there. So then what else you need to do? So you're 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 clearing up their diet, you're 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 diminishing the toxic load. If you don't diminish a toxic load, they can't clear this the toxicants because children's detoxification is not as good as adults. Their their microbiomes could be robust if they're still intact, but what they don't have is their livers can't detoxify as well. And children have a couple of main pathways. There's a CYP450 pathway for detoxification. That's where glyphosate interferes. And there's something called POND1. And that POND1 system, a third of babies are really low in that system. And many kids don't have that ability. And that's a system that clears certain kinds of insect pesticides. They're called again, organophosphate pesticides and organophosphates um, like atrazine. So our, their systems are impaired. They're smaller by weight. And so, and also they breathe more, more hand to mouth behavior. They put more stuff in their mouth. So they have a higher toxic load for weight. So now you've done all that and you say, well, I don't know a pediatrician like Michelle. I, I don't know Jane. I don't know Roy and I don't know Grace. What can I do? I say, you start with the bath. Assuming you have water in your community, California was under a drought forever. Let's say you've got water, you grow in a bath. You create baths with Epsom salts based on the child's weight. A small child might only need a quarter of a cup. That's magnesium sulfate. You put in a little baking soda, maybe an eighth of a cup, not the aluminum baking one, the non-aluminum containing because aluminum is a neurotoxin. So you don't want more aluminum in your kid's brain. You know, Alzheimer's, their, their brains are filled with aluminum. Same thing with kids on the spectrum when we've done brain um, autopsy. Anyway, and a little bit of borax. And uh, borax, just a bit in there, Arm & Hammer, not Arm & Hammer, um, 20 Mule Team, or you can buy a little bit. And there's some anecdotal stories about whether that gets rid of nanotechnology. I don't know if that's true or not, but I suspect it is. But if it doesn't get rid of the nano, at least it's going to kill off their, their fungi and their mold, which most kids are getting overwhelmed with now as well. So you're raising their pH. You're helping their blood vessels with magnesium sulfate. You're alkalinizing them. with the, with the, And then if you're removing any nano nonsense, you have kids soak in the nice bath and then make sure you rinse them off. Because if you don't rinse them off, they reabsorb it all. So you want them. That's a way for detox. The main way for detox is sweating. Kids need to move and get off their screens. They have to sweat. I tell adults to use an infrared sauna. Most people don't have access to an infrared sauna. Now you can come to my house and go upstairs and sit in the sauna. I have one. But that most people do not have an infrared sauna. People come to my house and say, are you out of your mind? I'm saying, I love my sauna. Don't mess with that. That was one of the best purchases I ever made. If you don't have an infrared sauna, go sweat. Take a run and then come and rinse off. Can you imagine exercising where you sweat? A lot of kids never sweat, if you can believe that. So those are some of the basics. But then I do think during this COVID era that we have to up kids' vitamin D levels. And now in the US they're charging, um, insurance is charging people for a vitamin D level, $135 in the US. It used to not, you used to be able to order for a panel, now you have to pay, well, that's interesting. I, in 40 years, I've seen one high level in a kid who had a genetic disorder 
one in 40 years. And I checked a lot of vitamin D levels. Vitamin D with K2, you don't give it's vitamin D3, K2, you have to give those together. Extra vitamin C in your kid's diet. And um, maybe a multi, maybe not. And probiotics and or fermented foods. So like which fermented foods? Like apple cider vinegar, Mrs. Bragg's that was recently purchased. And I hope they do a good a job as Mrs. Bragg's did with the mother and all the goody stuff in there. Because the organism and apple cider vinegar, acetobacter, breaks down glyphosate. There are many microbes that use the phosphate and the other minerals in glyphosate and break it down. So you want that acetobacter in the apple in the apple cider vinegar. You put it in a salad dressing or in their smoothie or in their soup. You can just hide it in there. But I take it in the salad dressing or I just drink it myself. I was sipping on some apple cider vinegar. I drink a little bit every day because it's glyphosate's everywhere. It's in our rain, it's in our soil, it's in our food, cross-contamination, even with organic. So if parents could start there. You can start detox by those simple things that I just shared. And you just did that. You're going to help them do that. And last but not least, if they're heavy metal toxic, you can start putting certain binders in their smoothies. Kids love smoothies like cilantro. Cilantro is a great binder. Chlorella has to be clean chlorella. Algae is a good source of nutrition. Assuming it's clean, not from heavy metal detoxification. Be careful. So you can put, I try and eat cilantro every day when I can fresh cilantro in my fresh, cut it up, including the stems. Cilantro is one of the herbs where you can eat the stem, chop it up. And if it goes a little soft, I give it to the chickens. It's good for my, my chickens love it. So these are the, yeah, if you, if you can get backyard chickens, get chickens um, if you can, but you can see the way we're thinking about regaining our health by the tips I'm sharing are practical, inexpensive ways and the whole family needs to be cooking. Forget the DoorDash, forget the takeout, they use caca. You've got to like use your own ingredients to cook yourself. The takeout doesn't work anymore. They don't, they don't use quality ingredients. They're using canola oil and whatever else they're using, not to mention what kind of cookware they're using and getting contamination that way. They put a lot of salt and fat in their foods, make them taste good. I can make food taste good too, but that's not what we're trying to do. Food should taste good, but should be healthy. Health first, taste second, healthy food. So get your kids eating that. And the last thing I'll do, cause I could probably go on for hours cause I feel like I'm on, on the mic here. Um, but I gotta say pregnancy, you gotta detox before you get pregnant. And if, it, if you are pregnant, it's too late. You can't be doing detox while you're pregnant. It's just too late. Eat well, but don't detox because when you detox during pregnancy, you offload to the fetus. And 20% of your heavy metals for your firstborn go into the fetus as moms. So we got to be real because moms are the stewardesses of that, you know, the progenitors of our, our, our carrying on the line. So mom has to be really mindful. Dad too, 50% contribution there. So we have to be really mindful of what mom is eating. And the things that mom eats during pregnancy create certain taste in the baby. So for example, if mom drinks alcohol, babies have a preference for alcohol. But if moms eat bitters and things that are good for the liver, babies will like those bitters. So what you eat can dictate the taste of your baby. So moms, step up. Yeah, excellent. Love all the tips that you've got. And just you mentioned the, the infrared sauna. I got one. I think I paid about a thousand euro about 10 years ago. It's still working perfect. It's a two seater. So it's at about one and a half meters square. So you could, a lot of people could actually fit it into the bathroom. If you search around, you'll find one. And my one even has a CD and you can listen to, you know, nice music. You can even meditate, whatever you like, but it's actually brilliant for detoxing. So I highly encourage people. So listen, thank you very much. And I'll pass you over to Jane. Michelle, so, so happy to meet you. Um, I, you know, when I, my girls were young, I was, I became a naturopathic doctor and was using homeopathy with my girls learning about it when they were tiny. And I became a homeopath as well after that, because I just understood to use it well, it takes a lot of knowledge as well, right? But the whole mind-body connection is what I was very interested in because I read Bruce Lipton when I was in my 20s and understood that there's that connection that if that is healed, then we really get better. And I, I was going to comment on, I, we, that's what 
parents have to realize as well is that our children are programmable. So, you know, fear of disease, if you program them to be afraid of disease, that's going to carry on throughout life. And that's one of the worst things I think that's happened through this pandemic. But uh, when my kids were little, I would feed them fish oil without any flavor when, since the time they were, I don't know, six months. And they, they would eat it like little birds because <laughs> I taught them to like it. And I couldn't, because I didn't eat it when I was a kid, I couldn't stand the smell on my fingers. But that's, that's the power that parents have to realize they have for good food. And, you know, that programming when they're little is so important. But um, I wanted to, like when this whole thing broke out, I realized I had the whole toolkit. I wasn't afraid of COVID, but I realized everyone else had been programmed to be afraid of disease and to give their power away. And I knew where it was going, right? So I wrote um, Jane's Empowered Handbook to teach, just to teach kids about 17 homeopath or parents or people, just how to use 17 remedies and the 12 cell salts so that they could start to teach themselves, you know, some of the beauty that we know about homeopathy. But I'd love you to comment on uh, the fear of disease and how it's how we've given in, you know, as parents to wanting to jab kids as soon as they're born and how it's carried on into this pandemic. Thank you for that, Jane. First of all, congratulations. I wasn't aware of your book because what I'm writing includes homeopathy and I'm going to be sure to look at your book. Thank you so much for that and, and use it and reference you in the book. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. I can say this is from Dr. Jane and here it is and this is beneficial and useful and we'll talk. So by the way, these types of podcasts we're trying to share with listeners of, doc, of, of all the, I don't know how many thousands of people listen to you, Grace, but we also network. And what we're doing here, when you see four of us collaborating for all the listeners, is that we grow our network. And what we do is maybe we don't have a lot of money and we certainly don't have the power of pharma, but what we have passion and love for sure. And our network grows. So here's a shout out to all of us because now I met Dr. Um, Dr. Jane and Roy and uh, Nurse Grace, et cetera. Roy, you're not um, a practitioner, are you? I, did I misidentify you? Okay. So I want to talk about that fear thing because fear emanates from part of the brain called the amygdala. And when we're in the fear mode, we cannot be an abstract thinker. So for example, if you have a fear of a test, kids will say, oh, all the thoughts went out of my head. I was so fearful of failing the test. Well, they, that, that's what's going on. And that's a perfect example of what happens when we're in fear mode. We come out of our prefrontal cortex, our analytical brain. And kids don't have much of an analytical brain, folks, not till after maybe 25 years. I read a study that your, your prefrontal cortex is fully developed. We're sitting in our amygdala, which is run away from the woolly mammoth. And we have to move people back out of there into their analytic brain because they're in fear of survival because they were told they were going to die from this virus. So the one of the ways to get people out is humor. When people are laughing, they can move themselves from the amygdala into the prefrontal cortex. It's a beautiful thing to watch. If I'm doing a conference and everyone's like, oh my God, there's gonna be, a, you know, what is she saying? I don't understand it. But if I can use humor to re-engage people, they're like, you can feel the collective sigh of breathing and people come out of their sympathetic nervous system, tick, 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 into their parasympathetic nervous system. And rebalance your nervous system. It's all about a nervous system rebalancing. So we've been promoted into this fear mode by agency, mostly by media. Media is the virus. And our media has driven us based on the work of pharma, government, DOD, whoever you think might be behind it. We have we all have seen these videos now. And to promote this collective global fear. And to move out of the fear, we did, look, here we are. We didn't die from COVID. I almost everyone I know has had it for the most part at this juncture. I didn't want to get COVID, to be honest, because I knew it was engineered. And I've dealt with many people who've been uh, struck with bio uh, weapon illness, like Lyme disease and others. So I know it's hard to treat. So I didn't poo-poo about COVID, but nor did I say, oh, my God, I've got COVID. No, because we have tools in our toolbox. And all the people I saw, for the most part, came sail through it quite easily. We're dealing with a lot of the long COVID stuff and all that. And I suspect a lot of those folks had underlying chronic disorders 
whether it be Lyme, Epstein-Barr virus, and other chronic infections, but that's a whole nother topic. So humor, love, and power. I'd say cry, boo-hoo, get the tissues out, and then get righteously angry. Righteous anger is a beautiful thing. And righteous anger, what is the tool of my toolbox is pissing every mother off in America and globally. That is my, my own purpose in life. If I can piss off the mother bear, move over. Because when women, not, not just women, but we have something to protect our children. And it's innate because we birthed that baby. And there's a connection. There's actually a physiologic connection between us and our offspring. If fetal cell mix, those cells come into us and our cells go into them. So we are connected. You know, your kid living 3,000 miles away gets a headache and mom goes, what's wrong with my kid? Right? I, I feel it like, oh gosh, something's wrong. Um, it's amazing how that can work. Now, I don't poo-poo dads, Roy, not at all. But there is this physiologic connection. But it, I am banking on the power of the mother bear to make this movement happen. Because for the most part in my practice, I saw mostly mothers. And, and that is another call out. That's another side conversation is calls to dads because a lot of things are happening on the golf course and in boardrooms and other places where dads may be hanging out. And I don't want to sound too gender specific here because I'll get ripped by my own children if I go down this path, if they listen to this. So I can't get into that. But we know that we have to all step up. Parents, whoever the parents are, two grandparents, two dads, two moms, six moms, whoever they are. Whatever the family constitution looks like now, we all have to step in and move away from the fear. Um, children have a less than 0.004% risk from COVID. So that number is almost zero. There, it's not zero, not zero. It's almost zero. So let's move away. Let's regain our sanity. Let's so, breathe and get out in nature. Michelle, piss the mother bear off. Why did they push this on babies and children? Um, it, it's a, um, well, I, I'll get into dark stuff if I go down like my conspiratorial thinking about why they've done this. Um, it's certainly not for their health. So I can postulate all the darkness and evil, what drove them to say, yes, give six-month-olds the jab or give six-month-olds remdesivir, a kidney toxic drug. It's so dark. And so evil, in my opinion, that I said, I'm going to stay away from the conversation today because I certainly have strong thoughts on it, on why they're doing it. So I have to say, we have to be positive solutions based and your children does not need the immunologic uh, genetic dis, you know, jab, nor do they need the drugs to deal with it like remdesivir. Please stay away from those veer drugs in children. When you see those veers, they're designed for viruses and I haven't seen one yet that is not not toxic. That I that one to me is just beyond mind blowing. So I'd have to say, stay on the side of holistic health. Yeah, and I just wanted to point out that once they get it on the childhood vaccine schedule, then they become immune to any uh, lawsuits or liabilities, right? So that's I think that's the agenda to get it on there, and then they become much wealthier. Yeah, they're, they're wealthier. And uh, I saw this little Pfizer video today of a Pfizer, you know, executive, not executive researcher. And I, I it just before I came on here this morning, I'm watching this stuff at 7am. I don't know what I'm thinking. But it's just they're so reckless, so rash. It's it's like they're like cowboys out there in Pfizer world creating gain of function organisms. It's really kind of sickening. But um putting it on the schedule does give them indemnity. And here in California, this is a hot mess in California. I don't know what the heck parents are doing here in this state. It's a hot mess, hot mess, because putting it on the schedule, you gave them a pass. Since Reagan, 1986, passed that, you know, vaccine injury nonsense, you gave them a pass so they can put anything they want. And I, and I invite any listener to this show to look at the 2017 paper by Dr. Gotti, pre-COVID, from Italy, that showed 43 out of 44 vaccines were contaminated with heavy metals. One wasn't, it was a cat vaccine, Felogen. The rest were contaminated with tungsten, tin, chromium, uh, lead, um, and then some organic minerals as well. So this idea, and these nanoparticles cross the blood-brain bar barrier, inflame the children's brains, 
they get the microglia cells, the immune cells of the brain upregulated and kids' brains are on fire, brains on fire. And to get those brains to calm down is very hard in our business. And Jane, Roy, Grace, I am not saying it's easy to calm down the brain of a child who's inflamed. It's very difficult from a holistic standpoint. It can be done. It, in my humble opinion, it takes one to three years of working with a very committed family and expensive because these tools are not in the mainstream medicine and parents have to go outside the system anyway. Right. And we'd rather see it avoided. Um, I understand, you know, what they're using to get parents to take, to give their children this. It's the, you know, fear of death, fear of disease. And I remember I was becoming a naturopathic doctor when my girls were first born. And I actually gave in, like, I wanted to protect my children. So I gave them the first shots. And then I said to myself, what are you doing? Like that, that whole protection is very, it's huge when, when your kids are little, right? So they know what they're doing using that. But I just said to myself, wait, my girls are home. I had twins. They're home. They're not exposed to anything right now. Let me do some reading before I do anything else. Let me look into this further. And because of that, I just, I, I, the more I learned, the more I'm like, let's just learn a little more. <laughs> and let's learn a little more. And 19 years later, I know too much to ever. And so, you know, parents want to do the right thing. And when you're told by this massive system of really educated people with fancy degrees and white coats, butchers wear white coats, by the way, um, and we're, we're trying to do the right thing. And we have the stethoscope on the neck and it's so official. And here they are. The whole system is telling you to do something. And here you are. Maybe you didn't even take high school biology. And all these super educated people are telling you this is the right thing. It's really hard to go against that grain. And not only is it hard to go against the grain, they often ban you from the practice. So then parents can no longer attend that pediatrician's practice. And like, where am I gonna get healthcare? And they refuse to see you, which is illegal by the way, but then the, the practice um, you know, discards you as if you know, you're some trash and it's awful. And, yeah. and the eye rolling from the community. I just met with an old patient of mine who got her kids vaccinated for COVID vaccine because she wanted them to be able to join in soccer club and theater group and whatever else, because the kids were pariahs in society. So what have we done? We have fostered this tremendous guilt, damned if you do, damned if you don't on parents. It's an awful psychological um, twist that we put on parents. Either you obey or you'll be discarded. You'll be a pariah. Your kid will not go to soccer camp or whatever they're doing. And this is what we've done. So parents feel tremendous guilt. And then if the kids are old enough, they guilt the parents. Mom, all my friends are doing it. And you won't let me get this shot so I can go to camp. Yeah. And then everybody else, mom, it's you. And then you get that parent guilt. So it's really hard. It's very hard. I've been there myself. Mom, you know, this, you know, especially if you have a teenager. So um, it's not easy. <laughs> Being that parent. So that's why we have to align ourselves with groups who are like-minded. And these groups, our groups are growing because there's a massive homeschool movement happening. There are massive parallel structures being created. There's a massive paradigm shift in how people are thinking, moving away and creating their own homesteading, homeschooling, etc. because the institutions are creating an unattainable, unattainable environment. Yeah. Yeah. And once mother bears see how they're being coerced, they also, they often get pissed off and it's the best thing that could happen. <laughs> you know, when I, I also wanted to talk just a little more about homeopathy, when I was becoming a homeopath, I did my thesis on whether we could vaccinate safely through homeopathy, right? Cause we understood that it's the, the, the extras in the jab that's were causing a lot of the problems. But by the time I was done my thesis, I realized, oh, you're still afraid of disease. And in fact, these childhood diseases uh, train the immune system, help the brain develop. And when treated with homeopathy and, and proper nutrition and, and love, the child easily gets over it and has lifelong immunity, right? So I was, I was, you know, I needed to go through that 
several thousand hours of investigation into harm and the whole thought process behind disease before I could come around to it. But um, yeah, I wondered if you could comment on that. Yeah, when you think about cultural indoctrination, for years that we are culturally indoctrinated with a way of being. And so mainstream medicine or Western medicine, conventional medicine, what do you, whatever you want to call it, we've been indoctrinated that system for years. So you're going against not only every single grain and what you've been raised on to kind of veer out of that system. It's like children who were, you know, brought up on certain comfort foods like Campbell's soup. You know, they see that label and it's an automatic response that this is a comfort food. So we have to undo decades, literally decades of enculturation of what we were taught to veer off of it. Now, many of us didn't have the herbal um, splendor that Grace had growing up and we were brought up on Campbell's soup and other you know, TV dinners. So, you know, we were on this wheel a long time. But, you know, it takes perseverance. And it's not easy, not only perseverance on the part of the parents, but discipline. And, and it's a lot of trial by error. Now, you say some of these child diseases, absolutely, they look at measles virus, it's been around forever. And those viruses do train our immunity, and you want to be exposed to disease. So you have a robust immunity as adult. Are there side effects? Absolutely. Before the measles vaccine, one in a million kids got a certain type of panencephalitis from measles. So to say that there's no harm is absolutely wrong. There is some harm, but the numbers were small compared to what we're seeing now. Viruses can cause demise. Certain kids from a varicella vaccine can get a certain kind of cerebellar a disorder called cerebellar ataxia. Not common, but I've seen it. But compared to what we're seeing now, that is mild. So mm. viruses can cause illness. It's uncommon. And if you use homeopathy and nutrition, you can offset, allow your children to get these disorders when they're exposed. Not that I'm trying to create disease. Kids will get diseases. We send them to daycare. That's a big agar plate of children exposing each other to infection and training their immune systems how to, how to teach uh, and tolerate it. So there are tools in the kitchen, whether you're using ginger, lemon, Manuka honey, organic honey, elderberry, teas, mints, licorice. There are so many herbs that kids will tolerate really well in your tool chest. And don't forget turmeric, curries, uh, uh, curcumin as major immune support and our friends, the mushrooms. So there are many things in the kitchen that can boost children's immunity. And I just named a few, there are so many. And children like a lot of these, particularly elderberry. You can make an elderberry tea to boost immune function with a little organic honey, even though organic honey is contaminated with glyphosate, but a little organic honey, um, lots of good stuff in B propolis for lots of B, uh, B vitamins, and then support their immunity through the illness, with, and plus with the use of homeopathy. And homeopathy, you have to learn how to use it. Like anything else, it's a skill. You don't learn to use tools you know, my husband has a, like all every kind of electric tool known to man. You just don't start sawing stuff. You have to learn to use a hammer and a nail. Otherwise, you're going to have four banged up fingers or, or one. So there are there are ways that you have to learn how to use the tools, whether it's a hammer and nail, a homeopathic remedy. And we have to learn how to use these things in the kitchen. We're not born knowing how to use garlic. You need to let garlic sit 10 minutes before you, you use it cut it up and let it sit to activate it. Most people don't know that because we used to teach this stuff in home economics. Then we got rid of home economics. We need to teach people how to prepare food. We have to teach people. It reminds me of that movie to serve with love with Sidney Poitier that came out in the sixties where he was teaching these hooligan UK kids how to make salad. We have to be taught how to do it. So don't blame parents if they're giving their kids spaghetti every night. Let's teach them in the kitchen how to prepare a good meal for their children. You just can't tell someone, go prepare a good meal. You have to teach them. Right. And once a parent sees homeopathy work and that it does no harm and how quick it works, it's such a beautiful medicine. And, you know, one of the ways they debunk it is like you say, and this kills me. They'll give the same remedy to 20 people on a street corner and then ask them if they felt anything. <laughs> I'm like, well, of course not. They're all individuals. They they don't even have the the problem you know, that they're giving the remedy for. And like they it's just like you can't use the paradigm of of medicine or um 
you know, with homeopathy. They're just so completely different that. But you know. it's important that parents know that um, I refer them to, well, we'll refer them to your book, Jane, but Dana Ullman has a book that I've been referring for 27 years. You know, uh, it's a, the children's guide to, uh, for infants and children to homeopathy. It's a little purple and yellow book. It's, I mean, you can pick it up for two bucks now or three bucks, but it's, it's the main guide that how I started with my own kids with homeopathy 30 years ago. I used that book, Dana Ullman's book. And now I'll look at your book and teaching parents how to begin and I'll put it again in my book coming out. How do you start? Some basic principles of using remedies, you know, and there is someone who teaches basic principles of using herbs in the herbal kitchen. But I teach the homeopathy and not only because it's simple and easy, if you choose the wrong remedy, it doesn't do anything. Mm. Yeah. It's sugar pills and the kids love those little tiny sugar pills. So the wrong remedy, no side effects. Yeah. The right remedy moves them through the illness. Yeah, and you see it pretty quick. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Michelle. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Dr. Perro, <laughs> this is beautiful. I mean, we are blessed to have you and we are blessed to, to have all our other you know, practitioners all around the world helping each and every one of us to reach out more and more and there's one thing that I always remember that we have everything that we need to keep our children healthy and keep ourselves healthy especially once we make that decision it seems like when all the resources come to us to be educated be empowered and then knowledge is just a step of to becoming more wise in everyday life as a mother, as a grandmother. And just a side little story about stethoscope, Michelle. I use my stethoscope to put my stethoscope on, on the, in the car, in front of the car, so that when a police officer pulls me over, then with a stethoscope, I get away with something. Okay, because they said, you must have a hard day. I said, yes, I had a hard day. So that keeps me, keeps me away from having additional tickets. So that, and it's beautiful to be, don't be scared to be different. That's my message for most people. Because it seems like with 2020, we all want to belong to like what they're saying, to be in the public protection. And but Jane, Roy, me, and of course Michelle, and a lot of people we have has, we weren't scared to be different because we know with being different, that's the that's the, like the path to truth and freedom. So thank you very much. And yes, invite again our audience to your all the connections that they can do with you with your book, with your any articles, etc. On whatever I'm message you want to share. Thank you so much for that, Grace. And thank you all for meeting today and sharing with your audience some of these messages. And, I be, and I'll share my links. And before I say that, if your child indeed does have a chronic illness, it's still not too late and you will need more help. And reach out to an integrated provider and like Jane or someone else, a holistic nutritionist, chiropractors, Chinese medicine providers, whoever you can find to help you because it can be difficult. So my groups. Um, I am co-founder and executive director of gmoscience.org. I'm very proud of that group, Exposing GMOs and Pesticides with a Lens on Health. Our recent website is Food is Medicine, which is Regeneration Health International, rhi.bio. And we are focusing on teaching people how to use food as medicine while we regenerate our, our planet, regenerative agriculture. Um, we will be having a survey come out shortly on that website. Um, I created something called the Pediatric Environmental Health Questionnaire for practitioners and parents to see if their kids are toxic from environmental toxicants exposures. drmichelleperro.com. I have a whole bunch of information, including that questionnaire on my website. And you could have a look at that. What's Making Our Children Sick? That's my book with Dr. Adams. And the new book will be out, hopefully the end of this year, Making Our Children Well. And uh, that's gonna be a manual, affordable. I'm gonna allow as many people to get their hands on that as possible. Um, and I think I'm gonna self-publish that one so I can get it out quickly 
It doesn't have to go through a whole publishing company again. That takes a while. So I think that's my goal. But um, I'd say that for people um, who don't have access to anyone like us, there are Facebook groups. Like there's a Facebook group for autism. There's a Facebook group for Miralax. Um, there's a Facebook group for many of these things. So if you as a parent don't have access, don't have funds, Facebook, I'm not trying to promote Facebook, but you can find community, at least to give you some ideas. And of course, these types of podcasts. Well, what can I say? Um, and following uh, nurses like Nurse Gracie and others. But you can see that there is stuff out there. It takes a little bit of digging, but don't give up. Yes, thank you. And in addition, even Dell Victory and I invited all the truth and freedom movements to send him the information so that its location, like at its state, if people are still looking, you have really, as I said, we have everything to win this battle. Thank you very much. And please share, like, and subscribe to all of us and Dr. Paro. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Lovely to meet you all.